Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Here we go. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon for your lunchtime. Hockey, hockey, hockey on Hockey Central at noon. A busy show today. We'll hear from Corey Sarge coming up at 1230. Also, Kevin Woodley coming up at about 1250 or so. That's when the big show fires up with Will Nolt. Steinberg in at 2 o'clock. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was something last night at the Saddle Dome. And to uh, break it all down and get his thoughts, let's talk to Lou. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. I don't know, it's 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 not hard for me to say that if we haven't had him between the, the net, our record would likely be quite a bit different than what it currently is right now. So when you see some of the breaks, the bounces, um, unfortunately go in on him, uh, it's a tough one, and, and you want to see your group pick him up in, in situations like this and and play for him because he's done such an unbelievable job for his teammates so far this year. So that's something that we have to do a way better job of, and that's on everybody in our room to make sure that we're we're better his next outing in particular and um, really general as a group when we when we get our, our game against Edmonton here in a couple of days. There you go, Flames assistant coach. Ryan Huska talking about uh, Flames goaltender Jacob Markstrom and a tough loss for the group last night. Uh, the man who called it with Derek Wills and Pat Steinberg. Peter Labradius joins us now on Hockey Central at noon. Lou, we've had uh, all kinds of discussions over the years on this segment when the Flames have uh, have laid an egg. It happens in hockey. Um, and it, it's tough how it kind of happened last night because really... They looked like they were going to save themselves uh, after the, the second period there. They got an amazing goal for Majapani and then just absolutely uh, a fire drill in their own end. And, and sure enough, you know, two go in right away. And that's, that's you know, good night, Irene. It was something last night. Well, Kelly, it most certainly was. And again, the same situations continue to plague this group and it's not a this year situation it's been going on for quite some time and it was a game where you don't start on time so you get behind early they have rarely scored the first goal in games all season long and my greatest takeaway from last night is the goaltender jacob markstrom so Kelly, you've been here for a long time, and you and I have known one another a long time, and and we both, I think, have a pretty good feel for the discussions in this market. So the one thing that really drives a lot of attention in this town is the goalie. Have we not had conversations forever about when is the next Mika Kiprasov coming? We've had those, like, nonstop. Well, you have that guy. You might have that guy right now. And what I came away, just like the clip that you heard from Ryan Huskin, and I'm promising myself I was hot last night after the game. I'm not going to be there. That's not the time or place today. Is this guy has been your most consistent. He is your best player. And on a lot of nights, you are not giving back to him as a collective group anywhere near what he is giving to you. And that's not good enough. That, we need to pick people up when they are bailing us out. And frankly, as you heard from the assistant coach, Kelly, what would this team's record be this year without him? I, I think they're down by where Ottawa is because he has uh, he's held the fort in so many games. And for the first time last night, you, you – touched out on, on the broadcast Lou he looked like the frustration w- was coming out he was frustrated at the situation his teammates just where he was at I mean when he kind of comes out of his net and does that kind of stuff like um that that looks like someone that's just like what else do I have to do, do I have to score the goals for you guys too like it, it just seems like he was just like come on what are we doing here well in the game Saturday night and I'm not going to share the uh, expletives. But at one point, and you probably heard it if you're listening to the radio, uh, he, let's just say, urged his group on. I think everything that happened for him last night is what you said. 
and I couldn't agree, Kelly, with you more, is that people start to do uncharacteristic things when you feel like you have to do everything. And yet after all of it, after all of what he has done for this team, how great he has been, his consistency on a team that has not found really any consistency at all, I want you to listen right now to who takes ownership last night for his performance. Yeah, not happy. I got to be better. That's it. <laughs> Succinct. <laughs> are you are you kidding? How can are, you be better? You, like, yeah. Like, are you kidding? So, the okay, MVP quarterback of power play for us. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, and and as much as I felt bad, whether you're, you know, a longtime fan of this team, um, you know, and people are hot right now, and I get it. But there's your best guy, and he's not. He's not deflecting. There, there's a guy last night that had every reason to come out and say this. When is somebody going to jump on board and let's go? Yeah. That if that's how he played last night, that's why certain things happen. And he would be well within his right to go around that room right now with very few exceptions. And let me be clear, there are a few exceptions, including his buddy from Vancouver, Mr. Tanev, who is right next for me at the top of the consistency list. So you don't need to have a conversation there. And this general manager this year has gone out and found not only two really good players, but he's found foundation pieces. So the next step is, Who's jumping on board? Who yeah. who is who's jumping on board? And and where are we? You know, I thought Rhett was incredible today. He was. I thought he was absolutely bang on incredible today with the two clips in particular that I heard. And that is we can always spin the narrative that it's this and this needs to change. And it's on the coach, and it's on all this kind of stuff. Well, let me ask you. You watch it. It's a big part of your life. You program this radio station. Where is it for you right now? It's got to be, it's too easy to play against the Flames at times. And I think they rely on themselves and their offense to kind of we can fix anything, and I think it's got gotten them into trouble. Um, they are not a five-man unit a lot of times, and their structure is out the window for usually half or three-quarters of the game, which is almost impossible to to get. You know, when you're in the NHL, like, you you think that you can, you know, just, just dial it up for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Sometimes you can. But that, that's what I'm seeing, Lou. I, I just don't think the five, the structure just doesn't seem to be there. It's just too loosey-goosey. So, so when you say that in terms of, because, again, we can all be armchair quarterbacks, right? You know, we can all sit back and lay blame. So where, where for you as someone who's managed people your whole life, what, like, where's the next step? Where's... Where's potentially the solution to get it to a better place? Yeah, the thing is, is that some of those things that are happening, like turning over the puck three times in the first two minutes of the game, you can't tell me you can't fix that with just a little more attention to detail. And each guy, you know, just going, okay, I, I can't, I can't, you know, throw up a pizza in the middle of the ice in the first two minutes of the game. I can't do it ever. But I've, I've got to be dialed into that. And, and that's just how those guys are professionals and they have to do it. And I know, you know, the fans are frustrated. I heard over time last night, as, as did most people, people are, are frustrated. That, that's where it has to happen. Like, you can spare me about the whole we're going to, you know, get rid of everybody and make a massive trade and stuff. Yeah, you might make one trade. But, you know, it's hard to do at the best of times. In the situation we're in right now with salary cap and COVID, I'm sorry, 
You can't airlift a new hockey team in here and change the team's culture in a week. Not going to happen. No, it isn't going to happen. But coaches in the last few days have had some very strong things to say. And yeah. when, you're, when your work is challenged, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. And, and I say that all the time because, again, people make mistakes. I don't care that they're professional athletes. They make mistakes. But at a certain point in time, the one thing that should not be challenged is your work and your compete and your you-know-what meter. And that is all very fair right now. And I I think, Lou, you might have to kind of go through it a little bit. Like, if you can eliminate the mistakes – and just worry about the defensive game first and foremost, because it's pretty loosey-goosey. Even if it's a one nothing loss or 2-1 loss or something like that, and, and the fans see a little bit more. It's just how, how the Canucks started to turn it around, right? In the, the last game they lost before they turned this thing around. I don't think not as turned around. But if you just see a little bit more effort, and I want to I play, if Logan can play that clip, like, I was surprised at, you know, I, I know he would have been frustrated and, and flabbergasted in some ways. But Coach Ward last night, this clip, we, we had it in the morning show, and if you haven't heard it, 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 it's telling with what he says. It's time to put this thing to bed and take charge and take control of what we can. And, you know, we, we certainly can control the way we start. We certainly can control how we pay attention to details, how hard we compete, how much we care. You know, all those things are certainly within our control. It's time for us to start giving a shit about it. Yeah, that's about as, as succinct as you can put something. That is really all you need to hear. That's, that's the, it in the, a nutshell. That's a, that's a mic drop right there. Yeah. Like the, that, what, that's what, else a, that's we, a, what else do you want us to say? Yeah, exactly. There, there just isn't. So, again, you know, everybody wants to potentially lay blame. and Oh, and they rush to solution. And I get that. I, and that's what the fans and media do. But if it was so easy, they would have done it like six months ago or two years ago. It's this is professional sports at the highest level. It's it's not as simple as oh get rid of this guy or you know we'll call up these guys. It's not it's not going to happen. It's the guys in the room, you know, the the forwards, the defense, you know, the goalie's been great, um, and they got to figure it out. And they don't have a lot of time to mess around because tomorrow they play an Edmonton Oilers team that has that's played a lot better back to back. And then it's out east against uh, Toronto for two games, um, and it's it's it, time is now. Time was probably two days ago. But having said all that, and to be a little glass half full, it's not a disaster. They're no. still in it. They have a winning no. record. They are going to play all the teams they're chasing. Um, they haven't played Ottawa yet, and Ottawa's getting better. I understand, but there's a team that you should be able to make hay on. There, there is, there is lots of room and time to fix this situation. It certainly can't get worse, but there is a lot of time to make it better. There is a lot of time to make it better, but it needs to start, and it needs to start right away. Because it's one thing, Kelly, to have certain bad games. Every team is going to have bad games and bad moments. But I think what gets hard is that when patterns repeat themselves, and when I hear Michael Backlund, and you know what a big fan I am of Michael Backlund, when we asked him on the post game show last night, we asked him about starting on time, and and he talked about, well, that's been going on for a few years. That's got to change. That's 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 that that has got to change. That you have just have to find a way to push yourself to be better. Those patterns, if, if you want to look at things, I, I always look at life this way. When there are certain constants, there's usually a reason. And there's usually a reason because a lot of the same situations creep up. And frankly, a lot of the same people are involved. So if last night, with what was said, as well as Saturday night, is what was required to get full attention to the plan and to the detail 
to look at it like you, Mr. Kirsch, as a positive thing, then I think it's a good thing. Yeah. I absolutely do. Because uh, I find in a lot of situations, communication breaks down between people. People's feelings get hurt. They generally don't, when they get upset with people, they don't go and ask the hard questions. They assume or they get mad or, you know, I'm doing it the right way. You're not doing it the right way. Yeah. This is about getting to middle ground. And there's some division here. Let's let's make let's let's be crystal clear. But like you said, and I believe in this more at my age than I ever have. Is it hard to have hard conversations with people? Yeah, it is. Because people do great things for us and they make a difference. And they're there to help us. But guess what? We're there to help them too. And when you do it as a team, it, it, can't, it can't be pretend. It can't be pretend. It's got to get real. Yeah. And if you can get to real and truly demand and just have, have a standard that says, we're going to get beat. There's good teams. They're going to lose games. But we just we can't keep doing this to ourselves. There there isn't a coach, there isn't a player, honestly, that I've dealt with and listen, as you know, I've done this for a long time. A long time. I have yet to hear a coach that really upset at his team when he felt like they gave it everything. Yeah. Even when they get beat. Left it all when off they the get ice. Beat. Yep. When you leave it all out there, and again, every night's different. You're not gonna be at your best. But it's what we talked about earlier this week. It's the, it's the pendulum swings. It's, it's got to get less highs and lows and more to this is what we can come to expect. And we're not there yet, but like you said, it's time. There's time. By the way, quick update from yep. practice. We started with some music, and the song was Follow Me, Everything Will Be All Right, um, which was interesting. Great song um, from Uncle Cracker. It is, yeah, and I knew you would know the music aficionado that you are. Um, and no Jacob Markstrom today, who is obviously having a maintenance day, and, and we'll see. It's it's interesting when I think about tomorrow against the Oilers and back-to-back, uh, his workload, knowing that you're playing them Saturday night in their building. It'll be interesting to see you know, where the Flames go with that decision. I know the last time... You know, we kind of pondered one like this was part of the Winnipeg series, and the Flames went with David and then had the ace in the hole in the February 2nd game that they won with great help again from Jacob Markstrom. But the overriding theme, Kelly, is it can't matter. Like, it can't be all about the goalie. It just can't. No, it's got to be the game and the team game and the consistency of the team game, because if the team game was where it could be, and I used this last night on the pregame show, think about the Montreal Canadiens and and Carey Price and Jake Allen. Do you, do you not think Kelly that one of the reasons they've been able to go to Jake Allen as often as they have doesn't have a lot to do with how Montreal has played as a team, regardless of who the goalie is. And the points they've got in the bank, absolutely it does. Yes. Well, I guess we'll we'll talk goalies tomorrow because that is, you know, that's a whole segment usually when we get rolling on that. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. And, uh, you know, a little more positivity. Um, It's Friday, which means it's time to dig in a lose mailbag, right? Yum. Someone's going to get a $100 gift card to Ruthra's Steakhouse, so... Why not you? So we'll do that. That's how we're going to wrap things up tomorrow. Lou, enjoy your night. We'll talk tomorrow. Okay. Have a great one, everybody. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon. It is Hockey Central at noon, coming up at 1 o'clock. It's the arrival of Will Nault. 2 o'clock means Steinberg. And what do you think these guys are going to be talking about? The Flames lose big last night. They look bad. And they got to get right back on the horse against the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow. Our pregame at 6, play-by-play at 7. So lots to kind of unpack and uh, find out what's going on. like to uh, welcome our new morning show sponsor, 
Yes, the great people at Totem Golf. They've been partners of ours for a while. They've come on board to sponsor the Morning Guys. And uh, they got their money's worth today because uh, Rhett and Croner and Pinder and Boom were fired up. Check it out, their podcast. Uh, the Morning Show brought to you by Gray Wolf Golf Course. Voted BC's number one public course. It opens up May the 7th. Book your tea time today at greywolfgolf.com. Well, he's been drinking coffee. He's fired up. He watched the game last night. He was taking his notes. He's uh, he's going to tell us everything. Former NHL defenseman Corey Sarch breaks it all down next on Hockey Central. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Hey, it's Kelly Kirsch and Logan Gordon making way for Will Nault. Coming up at 1 o'clock, the big show will start for you right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. We've got a busy show here. We'll hear from uh, Kevin Woodley before 1 o'clock. But first, our, our NHL insider. You know him. You love him. He, uh, my favorite former Saskatoon Blade, and over 900 games in the NHL, Stanley Cup winner. He's been raring to go for two hours. He's Corey Sarch. Sarchi, how are you? I'm doing well, Kelly. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing good. You know, I watching and listening to that game last night, I thought, I knew you were coming on today, and I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. What would be the first question I would ask Corey? And the first question is starting on time. We hear it all the time. We t- we we you know it's you know I think everybody knows when the game starts. The players are are creatures of habit. What can you pinpoint, and what typically has it been in your career when your team or the other team hasn't started on time? What does that mean? Can you put it into words? Uh, well, it com- it comes down to little things within the game. Um, I think when you start on time, you're generally a fairly physically assertive team. I'm not talking running people over or running people, but it's contact on the forecheck. It's defending hard in your own end. Um, you know, stopping cycles with pins in the corner, rubbing guys out, uh, picking up sticks, engaging guys, trying to get body position in, in the middle of the ice. It's about managing the puck. It's about getting through the neutral zone cleanly. Um, we've been talking about this lots this year. And then the glaring item from last night were turnovers. Yeah. Um, when you turn over the puck that the Calgary Flames did at the start of the game, it's just a recipe for disaster. There's no rhythm. Uh, it puts de- it puts defensemen on their heels. It puts forwards into back-checking positions, and they're not anticipating those back-checks. It just really throws your team for a loop. And in the first five minutes, I had four major and a couple of minor turnovers for the Calgary Flames. It just can't happen. And everybody took their turns doing it. It wasn't just like one guy or it was the defenseman. It was, uh, it was a little bit of everything that... Uh... You know, there, there's a there's a puck up the middle or in your own zone. It's like, oh, now you got to change your your focus. So when that when that happens, Corey, is it a, is it a a situation where it's not focus, or is it a situation where guys are are trying to do too much? Uh, you you can you can end up with guys in both positions. You can end up with you know people wanting to make such a difference that it, it backfires on them a little bit. I have sometimes maybe thrown Geo into that category. Um, that's just a, that's just an example. Um, I'm not saying he had anything to do with the turnovers last night, but what I did notice and was a, a little bit disheartening and alarming for me is it was our, you know, the flames top two lines that were whew, primarily the culprits last night. And like a, a line like Johnny, Monty, and whoever they're going to put on there, um, Richie, I thought he had some energy last night. They need to go and put pucks where they can go play and be effective. And that, that doesn't mean that you can break out clean out of your zone all the time, that you can stick handle around everybody, that you get to make these perfect passes, that you can't dump the puck in and go forecheck it. And it's just, it's just like the Flames sometimes refuse to put the puck in a better place they try for the fancier, it could result in more, but it usually results in a lot less for the Calgary Flames. And yeah. I, I have to give their top two lines last night. I'm going, to put, I'm going to put the blame on them. I think it was the bottom two lines that actually kind of drug them along and tried to claw them back into that game in the second period. So back to the start, they cannot start like that, especially not your top, top forwards. All right, let's, t- let's talk about uh, the defensive pairings. And... Uh... A guy that's, you know, 
about five years younger than you. Mark Giordano is 37, keeps himself in great shape. What have you seen from his, uh, you know, his, his start to the season? Are you seeing a decline or are you seeing a guy that's frustrated? What are you seeing from Gio? Uh, I don't know if, if frustration is out there. He, he started the season mostly with Rasmus Anderson. And I actually think the two were, were playing okay. I know Rasmus is kind of whatever, whatever they call it. He's been demoted and he's had to um, spend a time now in the last couple of games on the bottom pairing. But I, I don't know. Like, Gio really raised the bar for himself a couple of years ago yeah. with, you know, his Vesna year. And that's not an easy thing to live up to. Um, I know as you get older in this game, it gets harder and harder. I felt like at 30, there was a, a bit of transition in my game. And then I didn't play a long ways past 35. But at 35, I felt a lot different than 30. So to keep doing what he's doing, he's going to have to make some adjustments. He's going to have to be a little more subtle in his game. I mean, he's, he still skates well, Gio. He's the ultimate competitor. He just needs to now find the balance and kind of adjust his role. You're going to have to have guys like Hannafin that take on a little bit more of an offense responsibility. Maybe Valimaki and Anderson as they get going here. So it's going to be a transition from him being your number one guy to being a little bit more in a sport position. And sometimes that's not an easy transition mentally. So he, he's going to have to work at it. Yeah, I mean, about two years away from, from winning the Norris Trophy, and, and now he's, um, you know, finding his game a little bit like a lot of the other guys. And, and when, I, when I talk to ex-NHL players, and I've done a fair amount, obviously, with what I do, you guys always talk about chemistry and the feel of the locker room. And, and it's also very hard to understand if you're not in there. But in a situation like this, we're hearing all kinds of stuff that the, the locker room is not united and all this kind of stuff. And, and that, I guess that happens in professional sports. But, Corey, in a situation like that where maybe not everybody's on the same page, how, what has to happen for everybody to pull the rope you know, the, the same way together? I could get out a couple more metaphor, metaphors if you want, but just... Is, has there been a time where it's like, okay, we might have guys that are that think we should play this way and guys that think we should play that way, and they're different personalities, but there's always one common goal. Is there is there one or two things that has to happen? Is it someone has to kick over a garbage can? Is it is it a is it a you know they already had a players only meeting? But is there anything you can think of that usually works? Well, it, I think a lot of times it first and foremost comes from the message the coach is sending and from his plan. But it takes everyone believing in that plan, and I've 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 had some success, and I've been on some very unsuccessful teams. And first and foremost, if the players don't buy into what the coach is selling, well, then you're already you're already a mess. So I don't know if that applies to the Calgary Flames or not. I heard that Jeff Ward is a good guy that players like him and want to play for him. That's usually kind of a bonding a bonding point for a lot of guys. If 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 you do have a good players coach. Uh, next part is that it, it falls on it falls on the individuals in the room. You have to set aside your individual goals. Yes, you set individual goals for yourself, but if you have someone that's more worried about the points they're getting and the wins that they're getting, um, I don't know how you get that out of your dressing room. It's uh, it comes from having strong leaders, strong voices that that can turn attitudes like that to pull and do the right way. Um, it takes your leaders to suggest other ways that guys can contribute when their games aren't right where they need to be. It, it comes down to a lot of things. That's the interesting reason, Kelly, why you only have a few like real upper echelon teams during a year. Cause there's only a few teams that ever actually figure it out. And I've played on, I played on a team in Rochester that went to a Calder cup final that had it figured out. I played on one Stanley cup winning team in Tampa that we had we had guys, and I'll, I'll put Vinny LeCavalier's name out there. He was kind of our last to buy in. Um, it took the coach basically getting ready to leave him at the hotel one day, us having almost like a, uh, what do you call it? Um, when, you, when you try to get, when everyone sits someone down, an intervention. Yeah. We almost had to have an intervention with Vin, Vinny to get him on the same page, saying that, look, you've got 18 or 19 of us that want to do this but we can't do it without you. And we explained to him how he could help and what a valuable party was. It wasn't like you're, you're a piece of crap. 
get in or get out. We, we wanted him to see why and how he could make us better. And so I've experienced a few of those things, and it takes a lot of guts, and it takes some strong leaders to accomplish that stuff. Corey Sarich is our guest, former NHL defenseman. Uh, he's breaking down the Flames and Canucks. We're also joined by Logan Gordon. Logan. Corey, you're not in the locker room, so I wouldn't expect you to to know anything one way or another about it. But I'm just curious of what your observations have been on Matthew Kachuk lately. And, you know, he said yesterday he felt like anything uh, – talk about that Muzzin incident being a turning point would be completely media-driven, and that's just something that, that we would discuss on our side of the fence. But I don't think there's any way about it to, to say that he just hasn't looked like himself and he hasn't been up to the standard – that we're used to seeing from him. It's not that he's been bad, but he hasn't been himself. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I agree with the statement. Um, part of me disagrees. I'm kind of internally torn on this one as well. Um, I think he might be a guy, too, that because he's so in your face when he's not in your face, it looks like he's doing so much less. Um, I was a little bit dejected last night when I saw on the second goal, if you look from the camera behind, or sorry, I think it was their third or fourth goal. You look at the camera angle behind the net, and he, he, he made some errors. He didn't get some pucks out of his own end. He turned them over up at the blue line. But then to not see the, the effort of him, like, hopping up off the ice and, and jumping right back into where he could, you know, really make a difference, that shows me just, a, like, a little, a little chip in his armor. I'm not going to, everyone has a bad game and maybe that game was too far gone because I think it was the fourth goal at the time, but uh, you just have seen him as such a competitor and night in and night out. And if I'm him, then to argue the other side, I'm completely frustrated because I don't see the same from everyone on my team. I see it from about 65, 75 five percent of the guys every night but there's a there's a good chunk that kind of pick and choose when they want to really give it their all and until they get that sorted out they're they're going to be the team that that we see currently Rhett uh, I'm not sure if you heard it earlier today or not but Rhett Warner on the morning show today was was adamant and was you know pretty to the point that he's he's got questions about the locker room right now and just about how much fight there is for each other and you know that maybe the narrative of they have a great locker room in there is is one that we shouldn't be you know pushing as much anymore there's just not enough fight back from each other and for each other and especially for a guy like Jacob Markstrom who you know you can't you can't blame last night on but he wore that one despite you know having himself not much help where, where do you stand on that where do you do you see any of that do you get any of that feeling from this team that that maybe things aren't as good behind closed doors as we think they are. Well, I can only I can only go on what we've been discussing. I, I look at starts to the game. If if you're and I blamed it on the top couple lines. I was like, if you're not prepared, that shows me that there's something lacking. If 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 that hunger isn't there, almost every shift. Yeah, you're going to have a bad shift. You're going to have the odd bad game. It can be excused, but it can't be. Couple good ones, couple bad ones. One good one, one bad one. One good one, one bad one. And until this team becomes consistent, that is just that is just a telltale factor of of the belief in the dressing room, of the effort and commitment level of the guys. I just, on, in my personal experience, on the teams that I was on, where we started winning more often than not, and we became a well above five hundred hockey team. That was when I, we had everyone dedicated. But again, Logan, I, I said it earlier, that's why you only have a handful of teams that can go in, in this league and do it night in and night out. Even the eight, seven, six-place teams that squeak into the playoffs, you usually see that in their game. Lack of consistency, um, nights where two more nights that are kind of average than above average. So for me, just looking at those very basic signs tells me that there's got to be there's got to be something going on because if you really enjoy the guys you're in there with you'll it's an old it's an old adage you're, you'll go to to battle with these guys and I've felt it but I, there was a lot of teams I'll be I'll be honest I was I tried to be a good pro I want to get out there you give it your all but when you don't see that being given from someone across the across the dressing room from you 
uh, it leaves a hole and it leaves questions. Yeah. Oh, good stuff again, Corey. I really appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk to you again on, on Monday. And, and just so everybody knows, you're, you're still my favorite former Saskatoon Blade on the radio station. So you, you, have, <laughs> you have that going for you. <laughs> was I, was I, am I the only guy from Saskatoon you know, Kelly? No, well, there's Rhett Warner <laughs> and Cam Moon played on it. But you're, you're still number one in my books. Yeah, see, but Sarchi hasn't dropped any F-bombs like <laughs> no, Mooner has. No, he so. sworn on Until he does that, you're still number one, Corey. <laughs> you're good. Uh, I, uh, I think that was my first couple weeks on the radio. Yeah. I, I thought that out of the <laughs> way early. Was, yeah, maybe I've forgotten that. Corey, thanks so much. We'll talk again on Monday. Thanks, Corey. Hey, thanks for having me, and uh, she'll be a busy weekend. Look forward to it. You know it. You know it. There's Corey Sarge down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline now open for limited dining service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975. You can eat in. You can take out. You can get it delivered. Uh, you know, a little uh, little pizza sounds pretty good right about now for tonight. Sixty sixty Memorial Drive in the Northeast. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get this game broken down and 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 maybe some goaltender talk and from a guy that's in Vancouver but really kind of looks at it in a different way. Um, Kevin Woodley uh, joins the guys, uh, Ryan, obviously on uh, on Thursdays. We're gonna hear from him and get ready for the big show because that's coming up at one o'clock. Steinberg in at two. Uh, it's going to be a busy show, as uh, you know. Sports radio is always uh, interesting when uh, when the team kind of lays an egg like that. We still love the Flames. We know they can do it, and I know the text line is is mixed and frustration, and and we want the guys to get going, and that's what we're going to discuss today. So we'll hear from Kevin Woodley. He'll break down kind of the goaltending situation next on Hockey Central at noon. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We are live today from the Iconic Studio, powered by Iconic Electric and Controls. We've been partners with these guys for a while. They do amazing work. They're doing doing their thing all over Alberta, all over the world, really. Diversity, it's Iconic. Contact them today at IconicEC.ca. One of our newest uh, insiders is Kevin Woodley. Um, he writes for a thing called In Goal Magazine, which uh, honestly I'd never heard of until I hired Ryan Pinder. And he finds these guys, and uh, he, he does a, a bunch of different things, and he's based in Vancouver, but he's really focused, like laser-focused on the goaltenders and has a, such a different perspective, and it's, it's just so interesting to hear him. And obviously after what happened last night and, uh, you know, Markstrom and, you know, the Canucks coming in here and, and running the show, wanted to, uh, you know, basically just start the conversation off with, you know, is it fair? I mean, people, uh, it, you know, media and, of course, the fans are all upset. But, you know, from an outsider's perspective, where, did, where does he come out on where the Flames are at? We've basically been taking a, a Louisville slugger to a pinata, uh, the pinata being the Flames for the bulk of the morning show today. Is that warranted? Yeah, I think I think it is. I'll be honest with you. Like we w- we went into this series, you and I talking last week about the Canucks and how disappointing they'd been. I kind of feel like we come out of it with the shoe on the other foot um, in terms of now the whys may be different, um, but in terms of just the the really piss poor uh, attention to detail defensively, the turnovers, the chances they're giving up, and and I think in the Flames' case, and again I'm only four 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 games into it, looking at it on an everyday game basis like you guys do, but just you know, the, the apparent lack of give a crap um, and effort at times. I mean, defenses work great, right? And, you know, we, we kept seeing them lean on Markstrom heavily, which is something he got used to here in Vancouver. Um, but it was, it, it felt more like that was a personnel and systems thing. And, when I look at Calgary, like, it just feels like they should be – they're just less than the – you know, like, you, you hope a team is going to be more than the sum of its parts, and they just feel like less than right now. And so you know, I can imagine there's a lot of questions, a lot of fair questions being asked, probably of coaching staffs, uh, probably of, of, you know, top-end personnel in terms of that effort and that give-a-crap meter. I, I don't know how many Zooms I was on this week, uh, post-game, post-practice, post-morning skate with the Calgary Flames, even after the first game where Markstrom bails them out and they talk about they know the Canucks are going to come out with more and they have to be prepared and they've got to improve these areas of the game. And then the next game they come out and get a show shot 24-7 in the first period. And you hear the same things after the game and you're just like, like I think at one point I even asked the question, like, 
are you surprised this happened? Like, cause all we heard for two days was how you had to be prepared and you didn't look at all prepared. And it sort of seemed to manifest itself again in, in your own end. And in terms of careless lackadaisical turnovers that lead to chances and, in, and at times in terms of a lack of work rate um, defensively to get the puck back after you've given it away. And those are all things we were complaining about with the Vancouver Canucks just four games ago. Man, there's a lot of blame to go around. Um, the, there's, I wonder about the coach. I don't know enough to say I know for sure, but I certainly wonder. I certainly wonder about the core because what we're talking about is something that's plagued this team for five years. Uh, I haven't really wondered about the goaltending. I really like Jacob Markstrom, and I thought it was uh, that's probably what games are going to look like if he's an NHL average netminder. That, that, that wasn't a poor outing so much as a just okay one. Uh, and did you see fatigue there from Markstrom, who you've watched get overworked in some of his stints in Vancouver? Well, no. See, here the thing in Vancouver was he was making so many changes to a game, his game, especially the first year, two, like two seasons ago, not last season. And so you would see some of the foundation in his game, some of the movement patterns start to drift with time, and they'd pull him out of the net and they'd give him a chance to reset and work on those things with Ian Clark. I didn't see those things falling apart, frankly. I saw some decisions that were a little uncharacteristic, and I only say a little uncharacteristic because we talked about this going into the season, you and I, about how there are going to be times, like you have to – He's not Mike Smith out there um, in terms of puck handling, but there, you know, that's a part of his game. Like he's a good puck handler and he's aggressive at times, and that's a part of his game that there will be mistakes you live with to get the benefit. And because it's important to him to be out like that, last night was a little different in terms of the. Well, there weren't even poke checks. Um, just the aggression in terms of those loose pucks was. You know, those were bad decisions, and so there there are times when he's tired that you see more of those bad decisions. Um, but I didn't see his game deteriorate. Usually when he's tired, you see him get a little bit of happy feet. And again, that's okay. another thing we talked about going into the year. Like yeah. Markstrom is never going to look quiet. Like he's not going to be a super, super calm goalie, even though they're trying to get him to quiet down a little bit there in Calgary. And I didn't see the happy feet. I didn't see a ton of extra movement or wasted movement. I just saw a couple of, probably poor decisions and the second one cost him in terms of the aggression and he copped to it afterwards. So, um, yeah, those are bad. Those are bad decisions on his part, right? Like you you can't defend them. Um, you know, and the irony is we just had a a two part series on, on the art of, of those types of decisions and poke checks with Devin Dubnik and, um, Dubnik runs through uh, on ingolmag.com sort of a series of checkpoints on when you do it. And sometimes he does it in the wrong spot. He said the key is when you do it, you have to do it with conviction. You have to do it head first, and you have to do it with the stick extended. And so the fact that Markstrom does it in both cases but isn't actually poke checking, he's going out in a butterfly. Like if he extends and uses his six foot six frame, I think he gets Bo Horvat. Because I think one of the reasons he didn't is because he's going out in a butterfly and then he's caught. So, hey, I mean – but if we're nitpicking Jacob Markstrom's diving poke check, the lost art of the diving poke check technique, um, you we know, missed, there's a lot of other things that, that are right. I mean, he was, he was playing at a Vesna level up until yep. those two decisions, right? Like his game when he stopped 20, the, the 24 to 7 shot night, that might have been the best I've seen him. Like I, I remember thinking that in the first two periods. Like I've seen a lot of Jacob Markstrom. And this is as good as I've seen him. So no, no concerns about him, but, man, around him, holy crap. And the other thing, Ryan, when we talk about where does the give a crap come from, this guy is a fierce competitor. And he, we were talking about it here when we watched all this go down. Like, he's new to that room. So I imagine he'd have to wait what he's saying still at this point. But he's not a guy who's going to tolerate a horse crap effort in front of him. Like, he'll always take the blame publicly, and he'll, he'll own losses and say, hey, I just like the Tyler Myers. Like, I hate to get to that point of a game playing that well and give up a goal. That's on me to get us to overtime and get us the point in a game where he was the best player. But that fierce desire and competitiveness to win usually drags other people into the fight, whether it's just by osmosis or whether it's, He's that much of a raw, raw guy, and I gotta think that sort of the lackadaisical stuff around him won't stand for long. Yeah, how would you use him moving forward? They got uh, Friday at home before Saturday on the road, both against the Oilers. He started fourteen of sixteen. That's too much, I think, in everyone's opinion. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, and we talked about that. I, I talked about this, and I understood that he would not want to come out of the net against his old team. Um, but I said going into this series that I would have liked to have seen them try to get David Riddich in for one of these. Uh, and I certainly think it has to be one of those two. And again, it's not, it's, it, I didn't see the usual signs of fatigue other, outside of those decisions in Jacob Markstrom. They've had times off. I watched them practice here in Vancouver the entire week. Um, and he didn't get that extra work. You know, he just got in and got his reps and got off. Like they were managing his rest well. And I'm not worried about managing his game because it doesn't seem to have fallen off the rails. So I think he can handle it. But you, you can't lose David Riddich. Like you're going to need him as, as you get into the back half of this schedule and, and the back-to-backs start to pile up and the workload. Like because you want Markstrom to get through the season, right? It's about yeah. playoffs. It's about having him healthy in the playoffs. And totally. um, you need to get David Riddich in here at least for one of those two, I, I would think. And frankly, I would have tried to as as – Hard as it is when the guy's playing this one, as much as he wants to play against his old team, I would have liked to have seen him against the Canucks. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And if you knew you'd, kind of, you'd get the the kind of effort you got last night, you would have spared Markstrom having to play behind that. But, again, predicting the effort of this group seems to be pretty darn difficult. It is a roller coaster. Um, let's continue on sort of the, the Calgary theme stories. Uh, what in the world is going on with Chris Drieger in, in Florida? This is an incredible story for the former Hitman Netminder. Yeah, and a guy who, you know, I mean, let's not forget, like, I think he was, uh, oh, and then I say this, I th- like, early third-round pick. Like, this isn't a seventh-round pick out of nowhere. This is a guy who had some early success in his pro career and, and, and a lot of people thought was, you know, going to be an NHL goaltender, and then he ended up in the minor leagues and kind of buried in Ottawa for a little bit at one point in the East Coast Hockey League, and uh, a switch flip for him uh, in terms of, you know, he thought he was working hard, but, you know, sometimes it takes – it takes adversity for you to realize just how much harder you can and have to work. And we had him on our Ingo Radio podcast sort of during the pause and very open and honest uh, about how that work rate changed in terms of his preparation um, during that time. And, you know, frankly, he felt like he got there late in his stint with Ottawa, but he was no longer afforded the opportunities. And so when he got his call-ups, he sat on the bench. He didn't get a chance to get into games. And um, basically you have a guy who, you know, kind of fits that bill as sometimes goalies take longer. But in his case, it was just about recognizing, you know, what it was going to take to play at this level. Early success can sometimes, you know, have you thinking it's going to be easy that, you're just going to continue having the success. Like all these guys, right, have had success early in their careers, junior, coming up. They've all been the best. And a little bit of a taste of early success as a pro, sometimes you think it's just going to continue. And so I don't know that there's drastic changes in his style. There are still elements of his game that I remember being on the ice with him in Kelowna like four or five years ago and thinking, I don't know if that's going to work in the NHL. A little more a little more backwards flow, a little more reverse C-cutting and backing into plays. And I was like, ah, like it's not the most efficient way. And yet here we are. Those things haven't changed in his game. They're still there. He just manages them better. And I think that's because he learned how to manage, you know, the other elements, rest, his body, taking care of himself. And, you know, being a pro, we hear that cliche all the time, but it actually does matter, especially in goaltending where consistency is so important. If you're not managing all those other elements of your life and your preparation, how the hell are you ever going to be consistent with your actual performance? And it just took him sort of getting knocked down a peg in the Ottawa system to, to sort of recognize all those things. And now that he has, you know, again, there are elements of his game that I wasn't sure would work, and he's making them work. Um, really smart goaltender, reads the play really well. He's not hyper-aggressive, but like I said, a few extra moving parts, and yet he reads it well enough that he's able to still get there and, 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 and make good saves and just been a really good fit. And interestingly enough, he's got, what, the same record as Bobrovsky, but his save percentage is like, right I think there. it's 40 points higher, 924 to 884, and his goals against is a full goal down, and he just got consecutive starts for the Panthers. So that's a story that, Hasn't been told a lot, I think in part because Bob kept winning um, despite worse numbers. But you start giving the guy with an $850,000 salary starts ahead of the guy with a $10 million salary, and it's going to become a bigger story in a hurry. 
Well, especially if they start collecting L's instead of W's. Winning is going to mask a lot of issues. Yeah. Um, and they are tied with Boston for the top points percentage in the NHL. Uh, cash out lottery ticket if you had it. Wow. Uh, and listen, the other thing is, like, like it's not totally out of nowhere. Like, Dreger had a 938 last year, right? He just yeah. – injuries prevented him from getting in more games. So – uh, and a lot of questions. Anytime it's such a short sample, people are like, okay, well, show me again. Well, he's showing us again. And now, yeah. now the Panthers may have a, a lot more interesting dynamic. Yeah, and I, I'm not familiar with his contractual status, but they probably can't afford to pay him at to the be end a good goal. UFA at the end of this year. All right. Well, well that's got, he'll have some suitors if he keeps playing like this. I'll tell you that. He won't be okay. making 850 anymore, that's for sure. So we started off talking about two goalies that bloom much later. Drieger is, what, 25, 26. Markstrom has just in the last two, three years become a, a top-end NHL netminder despite being a, a top prospect and a highly noted player well before even his draft year. Um, they they have taken a while, but they have arrived in, in different levels, I suppose. And what for different reasons. Seen? Yeah, for sure. And and what and I, I'm trying to make it a segue. Maybe there isn't anything at all. But you would think at some point goalies are with there and they can't change. But you're telling me you've seen some significant uh, changes in Mike Smith's game that's allowed him to come out to some early success here through, what, four starts? Yeah, and, and listen, like, it is just four starts. But he is another guy, actually like Matt Murray, right? And, hey, like, uh, I'm going to get the back padding machine out and see if I can give myself a little self-massage here because I told you that would come around. Um I believed in the changes Matt Murray was making, but making them well-playing games is a tough thing to do. And I think that's what's been most impressive about Mike Smith as well, is that, um, and I think actually the injury may have been beneficial because it gave him more time to get comfortable with the changes he made, mostly off the ice this summer and translating them on the ice. He had extra time with goalie coach Dustin Schwartz as he worked his way back from that injury. And so they look a little more instinctual to me. It's not perfect. He's still coming apart at times, but his ability to move um, as one piece and to recover laterally side to side on and from his knees is so much better. And that all ties, actually, interestingly enough, they both, Matt Murray and Mike Smith, switched trainers this summer and started working with a a guy that you'll hear me talk a lot about um, because he's got about 12 NHL uh, goalie clients. He works now also as a consultant with the San Jose Sharks. He's based in Kelowna, so I get to be on the ice and, and watch the workouts he does on and off the ice uh, with his goalies in the summer, and that's Adam Francilia. And in Mike Smith's case, like the, the, I guess the sort of stereotype would be to say he's worked on his core. He's keeping himself together. There you go. Kevin Woodley of Ingle Magazine, NHL.com, covering the Vancouver Canucks, our goaltending analyst. He joins Ryan Pinder in the nine, and then again here on Hockey Central at noon every Thursday on Sportsnet 960. The fan will take a break, come back. The big show kicks off with Will Nault. Plenty of Flames talk to get to today. Your text always welcome. The fan feedback line 960 960. We'll get into it as the day continues here on Sportsnet 960. The fan.